Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that talks about all the dangers of stepping out your front door and why you should cancel all your plans to stay home and watch horror movies instead. Just kidding, except kind of not really. We're the comedy podcast that talks about horror movies, which is kind of the same thing, and all the problematic things that come with them. Today, we're talking about the heavy metal horror film, Devil's Candy. I'm Megan. I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. And our lovely guest today is Eric from Gut Reactions. Eric. Hi, thanks for having me Tell us about yourself, Eric, and how you know us, and how you're cool, and plug all your cool shit. Well, I host Gut Reactions, which is a horror podcast, so I just talk about all kinds of horror movies. Um, That's pretty much it. Uh, That's that's how I know (laughs) all of you, and, uh, and had you guys on for my two most listened to episodes of the podcast, For which real? I completely credit to you. That's yeah. awesome. That makes me so happy. So. That was such a fun experience. Yeah. We had to talk about eating people and <laughs> murder. Their the usual. And true crime. <laughs> Typical All the things that I love to bring up at cocktail parties. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm trying to give myself more fanfare, but that's pretty much it. So I mean, you take cool pictures. You live in California. I do. But for our icebreaker today, we decided to keep it short and simple because to not fear, we have an earload of shit for you guys today. <laughs> but since the movie is Devil's Candy, we're going to... What's everybody's favorite candy? Guest first. Guest go first. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> um, okay, I have two. Can I do you two? You can do however much you want. Okay, I love lemon heads. Ooh. I've always loved lemon heads, like forever because they're sour and they're amazing but i also love reasons i think they're like the best chocolatey caramely goodness ever so those are awesome i I forget about them too i love them but every time i go into a store and i see them i I get them so nice that's it there's mine short and sweet what about you mary Kay? i also have well i have several because i have a sweet tooth and i always have and i used to hoard candy (laughs) and i would take it from my mom and be like i ate it all already (laughs) i don't know what to tell you but she would sniff it out but i have skills for that too so my most recent favorite candy is the watermelon gummies from sour patch Mm. it's a game changer dude it'll change your life my classic favorite is peanut M&M's because they're salty and sweet. So you can eat a lot of them. And the, another new thing that is like, okay, this is like too much. It's like extra. And then you eat it and it's like, but it's candy. It's supposed to be extra. That's the whole conceit <laughs> is, okay. So, you know, regular like little Reese's cup, right? Yeah. It's one of those, but with Reese's pieces in it. Yes. It's amazing, those. right? It's so good. It gives it a good country texture. Yes. Which I liked. And it's subtle. It's like a little extra. The right amount of extra. Mary is shaking her head in disapproval. (laughs) In disgust. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Peanut butter and chocolate were never supposed to be together. Everyone had somewhere to be. (laughs) They thought it was a meat cute, but it was not. They just bumped the fuck into each other sometimes. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. And I like peanuts and I like chocolate. I just don't want them sexing. It makes me sad. Does it make you a bigot also? I was about to say that's like I'm pretty sure that's exactly how people describe my parents, so it's fine. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, we just went right into it, didn't we? 
Oh my god, welcome to everything trying to kill you. The ice is broken. But like really but like I need to know what kind of candy you like. Oh sure, tequila. Do you say tequila? tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, what's your favorite? I like sour patch kids and airheads. I love airheads. I forget how much I like airheads until I get airheads. Did you guys ever do that dumb thing in middle school where you would like shake the airheads to try to get them to like make the one big ball at the end? And then wad it all up and yeah. eat it in one bite? What? What? I watched how the kids do, you, yeah, do that. Yeah, if you shake the like, package enough, like it eventually like it yeah. shrinks down into one like big wad yeah. at the end of the wrapper. Then you open oh, it. Oh, like packing it. Yeah. You just got to keep shaking it. Really? Did you go to middle school, Eric? Like, gosh. sorry i didn't do this well y'all weren't cool so anyway so devil's candy yeah so about the candy of the devil what's the point of this story it was not clear to me agreed but eric had an answer yeah eric had a really good answer i thought it was clear yeah i think it's super clear um i was i was reading a lot of people's stuff and they were saying like oh i didn't get it or i didn't but uh, i don't know i grew up so i come from Christian background and grew up in church world, so I'm super familiar with parables and things like that. And so for me, Devil's Candy pretty quickly, I realized, (laughs) oh, this is just a modern day parable. So like down to how like everything's named, like the hotel is not called, you know, Day Inn and Suites. It's like Shelter Mm -hmm. and the name of um, all the characters are representative of things. You have... um, basically like and then even all the oh uh, belial art studio which i'm sure we'll get into all that but everything's very super obvious to the point where like that's kind of its aesthetic as being this very like in your face story and i kind of look at it the first time i watched it i kind of thought it was a loose version of christ temptation in the desert um yeah focusing mainly on jesse's story being tempted and then I kind of rewatching it now. I think it's kind of a mix of a lot of different things and kind of does its own story in the end. There's a lot of metaphors all throughout it, which I'll get into <laughs> as we go. But I think it's just supposed to be a modern day parable. And I think it's very open that it in this world, the supernatural <clears throat> does exist. Whereas mm-hmm. the first few times I watched it, I think it hinted that it could go either way. Right. Like it could be all in someone's head or it could be. But I think it's pretty clear the director wanted it to be supernatural, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't have all the supernatural elements that movies usually have. Mary's been shaking her head. So <laughs> what's going well, so on? So if it's an if it's an allegory, though, like is it is it? It's, you said it's a new one. I think it riffs off a couple different things, but it's not so much okay. riffing on a biblical parable so much as it hits biblical themes. So I think you do have the temptation element going on with the art studio. I think you have um, Jesse has a throwaway line where he says, if I see him again, I'm going to smash him. And so biblical language, you have the serpent's head being crushed. So there's all these things where I'm just like, it's not a coincidence because there's obviously like Belial art studio where it's super in your face. And then like the more I watch it, like the way Jesse's hair is styled is very... (laughs) Very white Jesus, yeah. Uh, the way artists depict Jesus, yeah. Um, you know, the yeah. cross imagery. Like, there's t- there's too much obvious to not read more into the, the other levels. There it is. That's the word. That's where I ran into trouble. Because I was like, okay, it is all so obvious. Yeah, that's how it was for me too. Yeah, it's too, it seemed forced. It feels like either 
this is the first time this storyteller or set of storytellers has had the money and resources to do what they want to do and have had to navigate that much choice and have kind of clung to something obvious or they didn't have the the money and resources to tell the story in a more complicated way. I think there was a lot about the film that was super obvious, but I think there was tons of stuff in there that was really symbolic and really well hidden. Yeah, I, I think you had that surface stuff where you have touch touch points for people that would go into a movie and not be expecting. The more you watch it, the more you pick up these little moments, even if it's not, you know, a certain phrase or something that's said, but like just there's visual cues and the way that like, like I said, like him wanting to smash his head, like that's a very specific choice of language Mm -hmm. that no one would normally like, I don't know. I've never normally talked like that. No, but I'm a pastor's kid. Like biblical language is something I heard about as often as most people listen to music in their lives. Like this is a huge part of my growing up world. And I felt like, like none of this was, I was like, this isn't like deep cuts and it's like, Ooh, I feel smart for getting because I knew I also didn't feel like it was like accessible in the way that if somebody were not Christian or were not exposed to the, the same, the same ideas or themes that they would, they would have the same kind of reaction to. I was just like, it, it just kind of felt like it felt like there was a box with it, like the story had to happen within this box, and I couldn't tell if the story was in this box because of the storyteller's choices or because of other limitations. And like I said, within that box, beautifully executed on so many levels and in so many, there were some stunning yeah. moments. There was some gorgeous execution, um, some great performances. I, I, I'm not talking a shit about the execution. On anyone's part, more so that I was like, "Well, I, yeah, okay, like, the devil is bad and wants children to die." Okay, I mean, it's a horror movie, guys. Come on, like, obviously, if someone wants people to die, it's the devil, and they want it to be children. Sure. Well, I think you can look at. I think that's where you have to go back to the parable side. Like, I think on the nose, you know, the hotel named Shelter. You have Belial Art Studio. You have characters that are very obviously the devil. I think it plays into that kind of language that we're used to where you have, I think the only thing on this movie that is kind of wearing itself on its sleeve is the names of things and a couple key phrases that like the priest says in the videos and stuff. So my question is a lot of the stuff you're describing as, um, as culturally significant and the way we tell these stories and the way we tell these simplistic stories, the importance that these stories are simplistic mm-hmm. is not visual. You're not describing a bunch of, you're not describing a bunch of movies that we experience this okay. way, that we want, that that we encounter that way, right? Um, you're describing stories that are that are written or told, and I'm curious to know what we get or don't get out of experiencing a story that is structured that way in this medium that did not exist until so recently. We all shrug. I don't know. I'm <laughs> Man, Megan just did the full-on shrug emoji face. <laughs> like, because I, that, I think that's where we get this, that schism between the folks who are like, oh, I really appreciate it, and the folks who are like, well, 
yes, I know. I've already done that. But like, what are we doing? Really interesting moment. So I I think, I think you can have both. And I think the movie doesn't rely on just being okay here, you know, the priest video, like, cause a a lesser horror movie would have had the whole movie explained through that priest video all throughout or through narration or, but I, but I think having those touchstones that pull you back and then doing these visual moments that kind of tell you the rest of the story. And we had a similar conversation about Pan's Labyrinth, right? That we're, we're hearkening back to these, like these like very deep and ancient, yeah, ways of storytelling. So let's let, I'm, I'm not going to hold this up forever. Let's like get into right. the actual symbols. Like let's have a conversation so you can like shut my shit down. But there let's is go. some really beautiful symbolism. <laughs> Obviously a lot of it is super on the nose. Some of it is a little less yeah. obvious. I think my favorite kind of symbolic theme throughout it was the butterflies. I don't know if anybody else caught on to those, but the butterflies specifically that were throughout that were monarchs, which directly ties into the whole MK Ultra product. And I don't know if anybody knows what MK Ultra is, but it was the CIA CIA mind control program that was developed. It was nicknamed MK Ultra and MK was referencing monarchs and monarchs because they migrate such a long path but their lifespan is shorter than their migration pattern. And so they'll be traveling through their path. They'll stop. They'll have a baby and they'll die. And the babies will somehow magically know where they need to go. So that was just kind of the whole subject of hardwired behavior that animals and insects kind of have. And it's kind of playing into that theme a little bit there too. A lot of what you see in this film is, you know, hearing the voices or seeing the imagery and the concept of mind control and doing things that you're not wanting to do. And so then they really tied that in with the with the butterfly paintings. You know, it's like, but butterflies aren't metal. Yeah, the fuck, butterflies kind of are metal when you look at them in, in, through that lens. I have often insisted that anyone who insists on calling me MK instead of my actual name, which is Mary Kay, um, has to call me MK Ultra. <laughs> but speaking of super cool names and nicknames, what about, again, kind of some symbolism here about in the names? My favorite one is in Ray's name, and I'm going to feel really dumb if we pronounce his last name differently. Is it Smiley? I didn't know he had a last name. I thought they said it, and I thought it was Smiley, but Smiley was... Yeah, they mention his name like once or twice, and if you look up his name, it is, you know, it's Ray Smiley, but it's smelled different than Smiley like Smiley Face, but again, it directs me to, it sounds like it's this happy jovial word but the history behind the smiley face is actually kind of sinister and it's used a lot in occultism and we see it a lot in some of our darker things and a lot of things that you probably realize that you see it in but you just haven't paid attention to it but Aleister Crowley references the smiley face a lot we've had the smiley face killer Watchmen the villain you know has got a big old smiley face we see it in the Fangoria comment. <laughs> The Joker has his face cut into a smiley face. We see, you know, the Who's Black Valley murders. What? Who's Crowley? Alistair Crowley? Mm-hmm. Like the author? The super mm-hmm. dark guy that Black Sabbath sings about? C- come on, lip person, let's go. Well, <laughs> I don't, I'm not entirely sure Alistair Crowley is up Mary Kay's alley. He is an English oh, author, man. but he, he writes on occultism. Oh, yeah, he's, he's like, English. He does, not my yeah, thing. <laughs> ceremonial magic, and he's a painter. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, I, d- yeah. I didn't know who he was either, but I thought I thought you would. Try to stay out of Western Europe. Oh. They did enough. <laughs> yeah, they, y'all done. They did plenty. 
But I knew the name. I mean, I was familiar <laughs> with the name. I just didn't know who he was. I mean, but... he's he's popular for other okay. reasons. Like he is known, you know, he's popular for being a black wizard and ceremonial oh. magic. Yeah, he's the history. You know, was he a he goes Yates back to sorcery and any of the dark. He's the father of occultism, basically. Oh, but stand up guy. Am I am I off yeah. base if occultism should have a mother? Is how I feel. Like if you're gonna burn well, us at the stake for millennia for it, then like, like at least cool let us be in charge witch. of it. But no, they're... that's not how it works. That's not how patriarchy works. <laughs> Hence the stakes. <laughs> Got it. Toxic masculinity ruins black magic yet again. <laughs> Don't worry, they still at it. <laughs> I love every time we have a man guest, we're just like, Why men are terrible. Like but it's, um, no, it's only our guest of the day. <laughs> but it's only our guest of the day, though, right? We're like, men are trash. Oh, You're fine. But then another person comes on like two weeks later and like, but you're fine this time. But the rest of you fucking suck. I signed up to come on the show. I listen. I know what's going on. Okay. I knew I was going to get, I knew I was going to get a little flack. It's okay. A little flack. Come on. That's what we do best. A lot of flack. And information about insects and creatures. Wait, so we talked about Belial, right? And how that's one of the devils. God, that was the only thing that I watched that. And I was like, that's two on the nose. For me. Describe my face when I hear that the art studio is named yeah. Belial. Okay, make your face. You look like that smiley face to where the only thing that's like two straight lines for eyes and one line for a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Before I knew his fucker's <laughs> name. Before I knew his name, I was like, oh, so art guy is the devil, right? Yeah. Like, that was one of the actual notes was like, oh, so art guy is the devil. The reason I said art, di- art guy and not Belial is that... I either hadn't caught his name yet, or they hadn't even said it. I just knew, like, oh, well, that's obviously what that is. I was fine with Art Guy being the devil, but, like, could you have named him not Belial? Because That's the name of the gallery, not the person, right? Because his name... Yeah, could you... Yeah, that's what no. I thought. No, his name is Leonard. Uh... Leonard Belial... No, I I, oh yeah, I interpreted that as like that <laughs> was his Google name it. also. That doesn't really sound like we're dumb. It sounds more like the storytelling wasn't clear. Oh. The problem that it seems like we're having is that the storytelling is the only part of the film that isn't really. It's not consistent. It's not consistent. Yeah, there's. That's going to be so annoying in the podcast. <laughs> it's a level of a level of thoroughness well i feel like if we were to all sit and rewatch together and like just like live stream ourselves watching there would be such fun reactions to the moments where we we're like oh i loved this and now i'm realizing that it like the, the tone the tenor the speed the pacing everything is different from what's about to happen there were so many moments where i was like wait how are we like almost done with this movie like has have things happened are things oh my god what did I miss? Did I fall asleep for a second? Because it's it's like you can see the moments that were the most interesting to the filmmakers, and they got a lot of love and attention. That kind of thorough and beautiful work that you're describing for that from that opening. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't want to just keep saying no. It's great. I love it. But then I I can't help it. It's okay. It's so it is good. great, and I love it too. That's all I right. Just, we don't uh, all have like, to like the same things at the same time. Look, I, I 
enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Like, I had a great time watching it. I, I'm sure you could tell if I was, you know, if you were watching my notes happening all the time. <laughs> I enjoyed myself a lot, and I was really glad that I watched it. I was afraid I was going to be too scared and needed to watch it with, like, with a human in the room. But I'm glad I watched it. I had a good time. I was just like, oh, this was like, if I had a friend who was like, I'm nervous to watch horror movies. Wait, that's, like, that's oh, a good question. Yeah. Did this movie, how effective was it in scaring each of you? No, I'm real sensitive to demons, and this I didn't was not I scared am, about this one. Okay, Megan, I'm not. I haven't really found a horror movie that scares me. Horror movies I don't necessarily watch because I find them scary. I didn't find the film to be scary. I found it to have like high anticipation moments. I think it had moments that kept me on edge. But as far as like being a scary film, no. Okay, and then Mary. Um, my threshold is relatively low for this kind of thing, um, but I didn't. That's that's where I feel like oh, it's a storytelling thing because the images themselves yeah. are upsetting. Mm-hmm. We haven't earned the shit we're trying to do. Now yet, I can basically. kind of, and maybe I'm completely off the like off the mark here, but. I will probably kind of agree, unless this is not what you mean, in which case I'm not agreeing. I'm just making a new point that the moment, the moments that you said, like there were some moments that were so beautifully executed and so well done that some of those other moments that should have been your big moments might not have gotten as much of the, the attention because they were paying more attention to perfectly executing these like smaller, more intimate details that the bigger moments I was expecting more from it. Like those should have they set the bar too high on some of the smaller details that on some of the bigger moments, I was like, you could have done so much more. No, and so I maybe agree, that's, if you can yeah. do that shit with a small moment. What could you do with a big moment? Exactly. And now, I am on team. I absolutely love this movie, but I will agree. If they were to take the bar on those smaller moments and say, like, this is the bar, this movie would have completely blown me out of the water. I will say, though, that I agree with what Eric said on this outline, which is... When the little girl and her mom, Zoe and... What's her mom's name, Eric? There's an A. Astrid. When they hear the screaming outside, and they go outside, and those police have been pinched between their patrol cars, that was the part where I was like, this shit is That part did get me. That was when we saw it, and it was like, oh my God. And we didn't even see it happen, right? We just came out and Mm -hmm. saw the aftermath. Like, that was the scariest part for me. Too. And that's yeah. so beautifully earned because you knew what you were going to go out and see. Like you heard the cars, like you, like you, you knew, and still it was like, oh god. Because at that point it was the dread. It's weird because I don't watch a lot of like home invasion stuff, so I'm not. I'm that's the one genre, like subgenre that I'm not super familiar with, and it still affects me more than like. So for me, like sometimes the supernatural, stuff, but really I'm kind of. Megan, I'm kind of with you. Like, I have a super high tolerance for, like, scary movies. But for whatever reason, it was this movie and The Witch are, like, the last two movies to actually, like... But it's not even scares. It's more unsettling. Where, like... The Witch scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really weird. But, like, this one, it's, like, the home invasion element I wasn't geared up for when I'm watching Devil's Candy. Like, I was thinking... Right. Like, I just thought, okay this painter's going to get possessed from the based on the image on Netflix. He's going to get possessed and then we'll see what happens. And then so like the first time where she rolls over and you see him like in her bed from that moment yeah. on, that movie yeah. works really well for me, even more than the opening stuff that I think you guys see as more strong like that. And then that the whole scene, like from the minute they hear the, the screech and then the car slam into each other, 
on, like, I'm holding my breath all the way through, because it's like, that whole cop scene is, I think that's one of the best horror moments, the most effective horror moments in the genre, but. So I'd be, I'd be curious to know from uh, Mary Kay and Megan, if, um, how you felt about the home invasion aspect. Because for me, um, I, I think part of the whole it's not surprising thing was like, yeah, old dude, like, came up to your porch and gave you an expensive guitar. Like, we've been talking about this since you were, like, 10. Like, don't interact with that guy. That's the guy who's going to show up in your bed in the middle of the night. Like, that's a scary dude. So, for me, I think maybe a part of that, like, lack of jump out your skin was the sense of inevitability. And the sense of inevitability because, yeah, I've met that guy, like, several times most women have met the guy several times that you were like i have to get away from him or he's gonna show up in my bed in three hours and a home invasion is not on the list of things that usually get a reaction out of me personally um it usually does bother me but this one was first of all like this little girl needs to be she needs to be hurt by the world i mean i'm not saying like we want bad things to happen to her at all but like you don't answer the door for fucking strangers. If you're by, by yourself and you're a child, you don't answer the door if you're not, like, a man who's just expecting the pizza man or whatever, but that guy does not have any pizza. Like, it's not what's happening. And then also, um, one part of the home invasion that, like, made this a little bit worse was that this was his home, and that's how he's looking at it. He's getting in his bed, and she happens to be there. That is a completely different aspect of home invasion. I think to, that, to address yeah. your thing yeah, earlier about like definitely. the inevitability, like I, I expected by the point he shows up on the porch, I expected her, him to do something like take her, but I expected it to be a typical, like he's dropping her off for school. He, t- it was the, it's just the way they did the shot where she's sleeping. And you're just like, okay, this is a weird cut. What's she going to hear whatever. And then to see him just roll into frame, like, Sure. I don't think it would have. That's what got like. It's the point at which it happens, not so much that it happens, because the movie does telegraph it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's a disconnect there. The visual, the visual reveal is well done. The storytelling reveal is, yeah. of course, the shot itself. Yeah, knockout. Mm-hmm. But the experience of watching the shot at that point in that story is like, I mean, girl. Yeah, and also just just another moment. <laughs> Just to just to further the metaphor thing, so Jesse being white Jesus in the movie, um, <laughs> when she's at the door and he starts being mean to the guy, um, and this maybe this plays into well, first of all, they're in the middle of nowhere, so I don't know. I think the same thing. Like, oh, I wish they would have taught her, like, don't open the door. You know what I mean? But then also they're living out. I don't know. Well, they're in like, rural Texas, man. Yeah, would it come up that much? It's a different. I kind of bought that. Like, if they were in, like, the middle of L.A. or something, I'd be like, uh, what? Lock your damn door, <laughs> yeah. child. But I think that's exactly it. I don't think she's experienced anything. Where I think no. she she's still a little kid in the movie in a sense of, like, the way she looks at situations and things. And also super tough at the same time. But anyway, when, when he starts being kind of mean to him and then he leaves, she says something along the lines of, you always Sweet said mother. to treat others how you want to be treated. You were yeah. She's like you were mean. Yeah, like she was mad at it. So him. so I like though that they the way she said that hinting back at the whole Jesus metaphor. I wanted White to slip Jesus. that in while we're at the door. It bothers me that the mom got kind of mad. Like Astrid seemed to get irritated with Jesse for the way he reacted, and I wanted to be like, because I again I 
I got it. I gave the girl a pass because I totally yeah, would have opened the, the wife, door with no like... problem. But I was like, you're a grown up. You know better. That man is trying to lure your child out yeah. by offering her a guitar. And that your your husband just tried to protect your damn family like he should do. You need to do the same thing. Yeah. Don't come at me that you were mean. That's a bad example for our daughter. No, no it the wasn't. Fuck it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was I not. Agree, I agree with that. Um, what we were talking about most recently is, uh, although oh, we you. do not agree as a group that the storytelling is on on like a a level that we enjoy, we do like the images in the movie, and um, where we stopped yeah. Yeah. was well. I'll yeah. tell you one image that I enjoyed was half-naked Ethan Embry painting oh, butterflies. <laughs> I'm here now for that. that is a segue. Hey, yeah. My straight-up note, nice jockeys Embry. Did not hate it. My brain was off when this happened, so what were you going to say? Okay, so th- this was confusing to me because... Because you also enjoyed seeing him in his underwear? It was very confusing. Is that why it was it, confusing? you? <laughs> couldn't understand your feelings it was a very <laughs> i was i was very confused inside the underwear scene was confusing to me because mm-hmm. i get it okay so i got the imagery thing he's in the underwear push the white <clears throat> jesus thing in front of the cross he's in the kind of loincloth thing but i was i was looking at ethan Embry throughout the whole movie even up to that point and i was like this is like when i because because everyone has a different thing of like guys what guys think attractive guys should look like and what girls sing and vice versa. Okay. So like I was looking at Ethan Embry. I was like, well, that's a guy like that is like an attractive dude. Me too. Like, like this is who, this is who, when I look in the mirror, I'd like to see staring back at me. (laughs) And so I asked, and so I told my wife, I that dude's good looking. Right. I was like, agreed. Right. And she's like, Oh no. She probably no. was talking about that he looks unclean. He he needs a shower and a hairbrush, let's be honest. But see, but she was like, no. And I was like, are you joking? That's and fine. I'm like pulling up images on Google. And He's I was like, fine. E- look, look. She's like, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, You're defending your man crush to your I'm wife. Like, I, I think my favorite part of this attractive. episode. <laughs> Why don't you find him attractive? So anyway, I was confused by my wife's reaction because I thought – Ethan Embry in underwear, I was like, I don't even want her to see this because she's not going to even want to look at me after seeing the <laughs> essence of manliness in his whitey tighties. Well, but, here's the thing, yeah. though. So, like, if you've, like, if you've grown up <laughs> Got like, watching him and stuff since yeah. he was so young, he is not, like, an essence of manliness guy throughout his career. He's, like, the sweetie. He's, like, the one who's, like, not perfect looking. He's the one whose body is not perfect. Like, he's yeah, going to cuddle he's, you. He's so, so if you feel this way about him, never I'd let rewatch. Ethan cuddle me. Never, never rewatch. <laughs> um, can't hardly wait. It will upset you so I much. I forgot about... Oh, my gosh. Nerd! I oh, forgot. if you rewatch that, it will just... Your spleen will explode because you will be like, I can't ever look at him the same. I'm so upset about this. Um, yeah. But no, he's like the sweet guy. So when they were like, Ethan Embry is metal, I was like, I. Um, okay. Ethan Embry is attractive. We all agree? Agree. Moving on. They were good. Heavy metal painting yep. montages yep. are bad. Yep. I love the red paint with the blood in the tub. That is like the best. That, that was okay. super cool. Isn't this weird too? Well I feel done. like the movie has a super intentional kind of slow, methodical pace. 
feeling to it, but it's a super fast movie. Did anyone else feel like like? Because I feel like the movie has moments that are really slow, like the slow zooms, like kind of the shining and stuff. But then it goes into those montages. Is it just because the montages, by comparison, make everything feel slow? Or is it because the other stuff's really slow and methodical and then it explodes? Yes. I think part of the issue is that not enough happens, which is why we had that, or I had that dissatisfying moment of like, yo, girl, like he forgot, like he didn't even forget. He just like was late to pick you up one time. And you got that pissed. And that broke your entire trust in your relationship with your father. That was, that was the whole thing. So I think that's where, that's where the pacing, I did have that experience where I was like, whoa, man, we're like careening towards the end of this movie. Do you think have, if the movie had been 30 minutes longer and it gone for like a two and a half hour thing would have helped it? I think different things needed to happen. I think a late pickup is not, I, I was a kid. With a mom from Trinidad. Sure. You think I got picked up less than an hour late, more than once a week. Especially when you have that solid of a foundation with your father already. Him picking you up late one time should not shatter it to the point that you're like, swear on my grave, it will never happen again. Spent 40, you spent 40 minutes of a movie establishing that y'all have this great relationship. Then how is this? How You're is this right. it? So I think it just needs to be. Are right. It could be a different event to break that trust. So the timing is still fine. You know I, I actually mean? agree now that you're saying that because I just said, well, oh, it's her first day of school. She didn't want to go to a new school. They kind of played up that, and then she was mad because she had to spend more time at this horrible place. But here's story wise: Did they even need that scene if later on they were going to play off after the invasion? And he says, I'm never going to let this happen to you again. I feel like that scene could have just been the one that happened. Yeah. Like, why did he have to be late that first time? Because the next time she's taken because he's late picking her up. Those should have been And I feel like they could have just gone straight into the distrust because you let something happen to me. Even with, like, the tremendous acting in this, which was really awesome, I thought... I'd never yeah, seen her name. I thought the, both parents were cast fantastic. really well. Ray was spooky in a way that he didn't want to be. Yeah. Everybody was like spot on, except for that Leonard guy. Like, what's, well, what's yeah, the point? Of I kind of wanted him to be unwritten. Was very, he was a he was a cardboard cutout of a character. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Is like the acting is what makes them not cardboard. Right. But when you have such shit dialogue, which like, can we be friends again? That you're saying to your daughter. No, I, think, I don't know. I think that absolutely makes sense. not. That's not how I'm that keep, conversation would go. I, I no. think, yeah, I just don't believe it. I don't think so. My dude, do you want to be your little I don't girl's know. friend? I, my dad was like my well, best I think, friend. No, you want to be her dad with their friend. relationship. It's established they're pretty close friends. They have a closer bond than even the mom. Like, I'm not saying that's yeah, that's what everybody. But like, for them to have their own little like, you know. The way they talk to each other. That and the music. was me and my dad yeah. growing up. We were the two metalheads growing up, and we liked to work on cars. And I had more in common with my dad than my mom. Like, she thought it was funny, and she would snicker, and she would put up with mine and my dad antics. But, like, my dad and I were extremely close. Yeah. We still are. And so, like, that, none of that, like, can we be friends again? I think again? that's exactly and what he And if my dad said. broke yeah. my trust like that, when he's always been my safety net, if he were to break the trust, I wouldn't blow up to that level. But, like, I would be super hurt. For my dad to have broken my trust. Yeah, none of that was, was weird I, to me. But I have an, I've got a really good relationship with my dad, or I've got a ha, close ha, relationship with my dad. Has he never picked you up late for school? He and has. And you're still good? But like, Are generally, sure? we're, 
We're still okay, golden. Cool. I never made him swear on my grave <laughs> to never be late again. But Whoa. like, what? he has... That's what I'm saying. Even children know, even small children, let alone teenagers, know that shit, shit happens. People happens. are late. Yeah. He's late one time. Yeah. There's no reason to freak the fuck out. But she does anyway. Then old dude shows up in her, like, at her doorstep on her house or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, we can't. We can't have this again. That's why he's yeah. freaking out. Like, I have to be there because she already feels threatened by his presence. The whole it'll never happen again thing, I was like, we either didn't have to do yeah. it at all because you've established that she's being hunted or it could have been something. Well, like I said, I think if after the break in, if she said, swear, he's never going to get to me, swear yeah. on my grave, he's never going to get Then him. it would have made yeah. sense. Just a little bit of shifting in some of the dialogue here and there would have been great. I just don't think that dialogue is necessary at all. Like, how furious would you be if your best friend didn't come get you when they said they were going to? He's not an hour late, by the way. It's dark. There's no one at the school. And then he shows up and he's like, I'm really sorry. I wouldn't have said a damn thing. I just got in the car quietly. Like, even if it was my dad, who I'm also very close to, I'm not even sure I would have gotten in the car. I probably would have walked my ass home and snitched on my mom. Or to my mom. (laughs) Um, Like, that... I would have been super upset if I, if I was her, especially because, like, there's got to be a ton of anxiety going to a new school, um, not wanting to go. That's where I gave it the – that's why right. it never hit me was because she – they already established that I don't want to go to school. It's a new school. He said, you just got to make it through the day. So yeah. just imagine going through the day saying, okay, at, at three or two, my dad's going to come pick me up and it's over. Yeah. And then him leaving her till like, ten. Right. And I get that, but to break the – for a relationship that you spent that much time establishing is that strong. Yeah. But she's for still like a, like a preteen. She's still thing. a preteen yeah. where it is the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, well, I feel like that's, that event is enough. It just wasn't executed well enough to make it feel like it mattered. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I mean, so both of you guys are, I think both of, I think both of you are right. I it's agree. like, well, because like the, the him and the mom or that's all the little girl has. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, there's no other adults here. I can trust two adults, kind of. And one of you them know? doesn't show up. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Also, bearing in mind that all my shit is tempered by the fact that I did the new school thing so many times. I mean, same, girl. So same. it's hard for me to, like, get on board with, like, you're, you're oh, my God. Well, it's, so it's hard for me to get on board with the idea. I didn't. And if I had shifted schools... I would have been, yeah. Mary Kay and I were sheltered, okay? We understand. If if we had been left That's so late, thing. we would have said, swear on our grave. I'm not even sure it's a sheltered <laughs> thing so much as like a, no. a norm, a normal that's established that's violated like immediately twice. Yeah. You know? My household may or may not have been on island at the time. <laughs> where it was not a one or three or seven or twelve time occurrence in my growing up years to be... Yeah, waiting somewhere for hours straight. And also, uh, yeah, like having moved as many times as I did, to me it's like, um, you're 16 years old, grow the fuck up. Is she that old, though? 15, 16. No, I I thought she was in middle school. She was in like I think she's like, yeah, like 11 or 12. No, I think she's like 12. Okay, well, that's exactly what... I'm in school in the middle of the year in seventh grade. (laughs) I I didn't blow up. So I I think I have a a, a standard for that. It's maybe not true i also still think storytelling wise like that was a if you're gonna spend that much time setting up how strong the relationship is that just doesn't 
read to as break a strong it. enough event I get it. the way it's playing now. I feel like this movie is super creepy and the whole actual like antagonist of it antagonist of it is super creepy and we haven't talked about him enough. Can we talk about Ray a little bit? I had some problems with him as a villain. Um, not because he wasn't scary, because he definitely is threatening and you know, he has the, a big presence and he's not he doesn't have like a strong sense of self. Like other things are deciding what he does. Like, for example, he does not want to be evil. Ray, to me, is the scariest part of this movie because yes. um, he's not in control of what he's doing. What I mean by that is he chooses to not be evil. Um, he tries to turn the voices off by drowning them out with a louder noise, and people just won't let him use his coping skill. That damn mental illness so is a problem. So that's a problem too. for me because... You don't have to play guitar loud to have loud noise in your ears. You buy headphones. Problem solved. Like, and that was another part, like, a, just a plot hole in the writing where I was like, in the beginning, like, in the in the opening scenes, it was, for me, like, yeah, cool, let's do this. And then, you know, ha- as you're going through the horror movie, for me, at least, I'm always trying to punch holes in it. Of and it's course. like, no, no parent or, like, no sister or anything was like, put your fucking headphones on. Like... I don't care if you, like, you can listen to your music, just I don't want to hear it. Right. Well, then you don't have a movie, right? Which is a thing. Yeah, I like Ray as well. And I mm-hmm. like that there's basically a dichotomy between Ray and Jesse's characters where Ray is someone who, for whatever reason, because we go into the, we don't go into the movie with him discovering this evil force. He's already been afflicted by it for obviously a pretty long time. So I like the fact that you get to see the result of someone that gave in to the voices negatively and gave into the temptation side of things and then i like that you have jesse who on the other hand is going at, and he, he, you see him discovering it and then having to make a choice so you have if you're going with that temptation angle you have yeah you have the weaker person that's getting eaten up by all this and then you have jesse as a as a christ figure who is hearing like He's he's either getting a different signal or interpreting the signal in different ways, and I think that's really interesting. And I don't I don't think this is the other thing I want to hit. I don't think the movie itself is making mental illness synonymous with demon possession. As far as I think that in the movie, it's obvious to the viewer that it probably is demonic possession. Depending how you come at it, yes, it's a legitimate possession, and then people are identifying it wrongly as being a mental illness. So I, I don't think the movie itself is saying like people with mental illnesses are possessed, you know what I mean? Or vice versa. I don't think, I I just think that's a pretty logical thing. Like if I was hearing demonic voices, it would, most professionals would say, okay, here's medication for whatever, fill in the blank mental illness. Yeah, because she does it. She's like, that's it. I'm telling dad and you're going back to the hospital. Yeah. And he says, you're going back to the hospital, which, which, but don't they say that in the movie that he's off his medicine? Well, that's the sc- and that's to me one of the scariest things with both this and like movies like Possession of Emily Rose is like being misdiagnosed and so like when when you elicit signs of being crazy or possess or whatever it is that people identify you as, you can't ever be treated properly. So you're literally locked in a facility. Like that's that. But there's my question: Is that if they would send him back to the hospital? Does that mean it worked? Does that mean that I think it just, when he was undergoing treatment, when he was participating in treatment, that he was healthy enough to 
to to live in his family home, to participate in his community. Because if so, then we have a then we've got a problem. Then we've got a conflation that is not okay. That's uh, what I interpreted it as. Yeah. I mean, that's all stuff that we don't know. So I mean, you could just say maybe they were doing. Maybe they didn't have the funds to keep him in the hospital for a full time. Maybe family that didn't. You know what I mean? There's so many things where like that's not really a. I don't think that's really a whole. I think that's just something where it just plays into the. It just hints at what was. I don't. I don't think it's so much a thing of like, oh, you were cured and now it's back. I just think it's more okay. We're sick of this and. But why send him back to the hospital? I think for them it was more a threat of like, okay, well this is it. We're sick of dealing with this. There is no cure. It's an ongoing treatment. And if I don't think they said anything about medication though. I think they just said about the hospital. No, they said that he's so. off his meds at one oh, point. Okay. If he's been off his meds, then you can't just like shove you can't just shove him down his throat. Like that is your next step. Right? That's what I interpreted it as, too. And you can fill in the blanks however you want to, right? Which is a problem in the writing, because there shouldn't be those blanks. I think the movie's ending kind of shows you, like, okay, what's going on is at least in part supernatural. I don't think... <clears throat> well, well, because schizophrenia isn't contagious, which is... Correct. What happens when uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. when Jesse and his family move into the house is that he starts hearing the voices that Ray yeah. was hearing... But then why does Ray still hear them if he's not in the house? Well, I don't think I don't think they're the same voices necessarily. Right. Okay. Which is why Yeah, cuz it's like the children are calling they're trying to get out of me. So yeah, Ray is hearing whatever is charging him to do this, whereas Jesse is hearing oh, okay. the okay. the when he souls finds them at the Ray end. Is yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, he said yeah. that I can't I he, So I that's kind of that. I can't I don't understand why I have to paint them. I don't understand mm-hmm. what they want from me, right? Basically, and that's what they want. It was just for him to right. know. That's kind there. of the yeah. the misdirect in the movie is you just assume okay, Jesse's about to get whatever this guy has, but you actually find out he's figuring out the way to stop it, and the other guy's fi- like yeah. That I didn't make that distinction before. I, that makes more sense to me. I don't know why I didn't pick up on that before, but um, yeah, I still don't love the idea that like Ray is actively yeah. choosing like. I don't want to do this and like trying to mind over matter it. And, and it just happened. Like Jesse is just a vessel for this goodness with no say in it at all. I don't like that. I mean, and this is, this is just me coming at it as a viewer. This is not a criticism. This is just me being like, I don't like that. It doesn't like, there's no reason for one person to be bad or good. No, that was my biggest concern with this movie was the same thing is that he's actively trying to fight it and to be good. And he's telling the voices, no, he's making the choice to not do this. And she even says, you know, like, I told him not to come for you. You know, I'm saving you. And he's trying. But then, like, he's still ultimately portrayed as being like this, like the villain of the film. And he's being possessed to do these ill things. And Jesse shows up minding his own fucking business. And all of a sudden, they're like, you are the savior. And he's like, I just really don't think what? I want it. I think I just want to hang out in my house and paint some fucking butterflies of the bank. And they're like, no, but you are the yeah, savior. Well, everybody in this movie, even down to their names, which we've covered a little bit on some of them, is like they're representative of kind of archetypes. So you have Jesse, whose name, like, I guess literally means Jehovah exists in Hebrew. So you have Jesse who's like, supposed to be your Jesus character. You have Ray who's being completely manipulated by, he's the one whose name, I couldn't figure out what his, 
the people being afflicted by satanic influence. And then you have so – so you just have all this going on. And I guess like for me, I look at Jesse and I say, well, of course he's not going to give in because well, if you're going at it from that temptation angle, Christ isn't going to give in to what yeah. – you know what I mean? So – Oh yeah, no, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't yeah. trying to suggest that they should say it. I just that was uncomfortable for me. That's all I was trying no, to say. No, no, no. Well, and I think I think a lesser movie would have had a scene where, like, the guy from the art studio would have come in and been like, "Look, we all know who you are. You might not know who you are, but you're the chosen one." You know what I mean? A lesser movie would have gone to it. Whereas, yeah, this movie went for That's the what would make it lose the a star. Christ in the desert scene where he's saying, "Hey, turn this rock into bread. Here, I'm going to give you this." crazy cool city hey i'm gonna do this you know what i mean versus you know and i on the other side with ray it's more okay the voices aren't gonna stop till you do what you're being told to do i don't know he walked through the fire and caught on fire that's pretty biblical um also i was getting and i meant to say this earlier but then we i got distracted (laughs) we said something else interesting um but I was getting with the when he when Jesse tries to explain why he was late to Astrid, um, and he was like, "They just you know they're moving through me, and I don't know why, uh, but I have to do all of this stuff." Mm-hmm. Did you get Job mm-hmm. off of that also? Like I know Temptation of Christ, but were you also getting Job vibes? Yeah, I didn't, but I'm now I'm gonna rewatch it. Okay, I just that one that. line because I <laughs> thought he was gonna say more. With the way that he give me all, said it. Give me more reasons to rewatch this movie. Okay. Please. Um, more, more, more. But yeah, because that's part of, <laughs> of Job's deal is like it's testing his faith the whole time. And he's like, why is sure. all this terrible stuff happening to me? And he never yeah. got an explanation. So, which is very, I mean, for he never got one. We did when we, re, you know, when we yeah. read it. But, um, but we don't get that in the movie. And that's uh, where to bring back the, um, the nature of the parable or the allegory from before, like I don't understand what the lesson is here. Well, I don't think it's so. I don't think it's so much a lesson as it is a. It's just a reflection. It's you know what I mean. It's 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 a self-contained story where it's not like a like a Tales from the Crypt or a Twilight Zone where it's going to say here's the morality tale that you need to learn. I think it's just. But isn't that what a parable is? Right. That's what I was trying to say. Is like that. What? Well, then it doesn't. Do what the a thing sense, that, but, uh, right. Here's the moral of the story. If it's a parable and that's why it's simplistic, <clears throat> then I should understand a thing. And what I'm understanding is yeah. that if I am chosen to save people, it'll work. <laughs> right. And if I am chosen to murder yeah. children, that'll also work. I think the moral of the story is here when they're offering you a really good deal in rural Texas. And they're like, I have to let you know that a lot of people died in this house. Don't fucking buy the house. Go down the road. Also, I don't think they have to let you know. I think it's a three-year... They do. They do. They legally have to disclose it if it's been within a certain time frame. Y'all, there ain't no way I'm gonna be able to afford a house here in Austin unless (laughs) it's a murder house. (laughs) I was gonna save it for (sighs) early... Like, I have a picture. It is a real... Well, you guys can't really see. A real house listing for Kennesaw, Georgia... Or Ackworth, it's Ackworth, Georgia, which is just a hop and skip down the road from here. Let me oh, just I'm well you, familiar with Ackworth. Let me just read you this real quick two sentence okay. thing. Amazing executive home, all the bells and whistles, cul de sac lot, top rated schools, and the biggest bonus, not haunted. Come see today. It's definitely haunted. No, that is haunted. If you have to put in all caps, not haunted. That's a fucking also, are house. you really better off if you're the only non-haunted house exactly. on the cul-de-sac? I don't understand. It comes with all the bells and whistles except fucking poltergeist. Like, I'm going to live on a possessed, 
That's like, like when you're the best house in a shit neighborhood, I'm the only non-haunted no, house in the cul-de-sac. No, now you're a target. No, like, like, no. No, you live on a haunted cul-de-sac. <laughs> Guess we know who's having the block party. Which is oddly like the house that you oh do want to trick or treat at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is the house that I'm hanging in. Otherwise, who knows what poltergeists have put in the candy? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah it's like that. That cookout's got to be. You want a hot dog? Wow! Somebody threw it across the room. Where did the hot dog go? <laughs> who threw that? That block party is like, oh no. <laughs> you know I don't like mustard. Who did this? What's in the hot dog? <laughs> That's like that poltergeist that lived in that house I was in in my first AmeriCorps term. Oh my god. What? This little girl that fell out the window. Oh my god, I got 100 years before, you know? Um, so she was still there. But she was a little kid. She wasn't malevolent, you know? Like, it was an accident. She just kind of trapped. Um, and she was friendly. And she loved that all these young people would show up every summer and, like, be hanging out. So she would mess with, like, kid shit. Like, if you brought toys or balls or whatever into the house, like, she'd play with them. And you just, like, find them at random places. Or in the middle of the night, you'd hear, like, a ball bouncing in the hallway. And you'd be like, girl. And she'd be like. That's incredible. I love her. Yeah, she was great. I don't like that. She's like, nope. There would be a Mary Kay-shaped hole through that wall. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Andrew and I had a ghost that lived in his apartment in Noonan, the one that the Walking Dead cast lived in. I named him Beauregard. He came up when we were... If you name, if you gave someone so, that name, they're definitely going to kill you. It, the ghost is going to kill you. Well, I mean, he was, was a, a bayonet. Well, yeah. He was a Confederate soldier. That, you got a racist that's ghost. Old, like, Confederate bayonet. era cotton mill. And it that's was, you know, worst. like the old wood floors and like 24 foot, like exposed beamed ceilings. And we went like down this little rickety hallway to go do our laundry. And we hear like weird, like boot footsteps behind us. We turn around and like a big whoosh of dust comes up behind us. And I was like, hey, Beauregard. And then like the little footsteps just like stop for a minute. So I named him. He liked me. I just, man, <laughs> I just had this image of, <laughs> and this is not funny. It shouldn't be, but it's it is. It's probably going to be. When Eric said, it's a 300 year old racist ghost, <laughs> the image of, you guys like walking down the hall holding your laundry baskets and he just like hits it out of Megan's hand but not in well, that, that must That's be the type exactly of ghosts that wear the white sheet. Too. It all makes sense. It all comes together oh, now. Yeah. Oh, oh the laundry oh. poltergeist. Oh no. <laughs> well it was Noonan where they had the KKK rally not that long ago, so it only if, makes sense. I was gonna say if only that shit were limited to ghosts, that would be oh, ideal. Man. <laughs> I know, right? What a world we live in. <laughs> so about Oh my gosh. Movie. Can we talk about metal? Because I don't understand. Yes. Why? Yes, Why does anyone want to talk about it? Because it's Should incredible. I give us- because it's one of the conceits of the movie. And it's perfect. Right? It is. Literally, this entire movie is metal. And if you are a metalhead like me, the movie stands out, like, specifically, because it was very, very, very smartly chosen, what they played in this movie. The, like, the soundtrack? Yes. The score? The what? soundtrack was perfectly done, yes. The soundtrack that they played okay. was so purposely chosen, and there's just, like, so many bands that <laughs> yeah. as soon as they came out, I was just like, yes! Like, it starts off with Sunno, I know. and I just started, like, screaming. I know nothing about metal. I know, I know I loved it in the, in the course of this movie, and it's funny because the first time I watched it, I was like, man, I dug that soundtrack, and then I tried to play it on the way to work, and I was like, I'm not into this music outside of this movie. <laughs> At all. No. 
That's that's most of I what I listen to. My terrible neighbor, the Crypt Keeper, to come over and talk about it because this is what he likes to play um, <laughs> at full. Does volume. he know that they have headphones? Is he trying to drown, drown so out? Maybe he's just voices? trying to drown out. Honestly, Satan, that might explain the fuck a lot because he likes to play it with his door <laughs> wide the hell open, so it echoes across the entire courtyard. Um, so that if I am in my own apartment, just trying to watch. HBO in peace. I can't even hear my own fucking television <laughs> with my doors shut. So I'm if we see you him. post a picture of you bearing a suitcase in your backyard, we know. We know why. You were the chosen one. You're, you're Trinidadian, Jesus. Wait, was it Trinidad that you're from? Okay, yeah. You're Trinidadian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Trinidadian, Jesus. That's... Maybe Jesus was from Trinidad. We ain't even we don't know. know. Oh, my God. I mean, but anyway. But I'm pretty sure not. I'm Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it seems unlikely, but I, also I like, don't think. But like, just let Mary uh, have this one, Mary Kay. Like, just let her have this. It's okay. No, you know, Jesus can be from wherever because Winston Duke is from Tobago, so it's fine. I just want there him to go. be my okay. own. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when your grandparents. Okay. Every time I see them, are like, "Are you Lebanese?" And I'm like, "No, we've met several times." <laughs> 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 like they recognize me, they just never remember like what's going on there. They're like, so, I was repeating, my mom is black and my dad is white. My mom is black and my dad is white. Uh, for those of you listening at home, while she chanted, she was bouncing in her chair. <laughs> my mom is black and my dad is white. <laughs> Wait, tell us more about metal. Yeah, yes. So about metal. So the film opens with a song by Sun O. And it's S-U-N-N-O, parentheses, parentheses, parentheses. Is that how you actually pronounce it, Asano? I don't fucking know, but that's how we all pronounce it. I can't pronounce a single one of the titles of their song. I just make babbling noises when I'm like, it's Berul Puzitsis, which is the name of the opening song. You can't tell me otherwise because you don't know any better. What's the, what's, what's the name of the song where they're moving in? Because that's my favorite song in the movie where they're like, meningitis I'm or whatever they say. there. <laughs> Sun-O is really cool because they are like a trance metal band. That's not a good description. But all their music is like really mellow and low and quiet. And you're hearing it and you're like, there's this really cool beat in the background. Like what's going on? And it's just kind of like this weird like kind of thing. And if you listen closely, you've got to listen to them like with headphones on to really hear it. And it's like it is weird chanting that you're hearing like weird whispers. So all the whispers that you heard in the beginning, that's part of the actual song. Those weren't added in for effect. Oh, good. For the sake of the film, yeah, it's nothing but a bunch of like weird, like satanic whispers in the back of Sunno, which is super creepy. So like, if you ever check it out, you've got to listen to them with headphones. Not that I anticipate yes. anyone's going to go listen to Sunno, but me. <laughs> uh, but the song that you liked was Spider Bait, and the song is called Conjunctivitis. <laughs> And it reminds me, it's the song version of that weird, like, sitcom scene from Natural Born Killers to where, like, it's really dark and creepy what's actually happening and what's being said, but it's hidden behind this super lighthearted or facade. So the song sounds like it's this fun. It sounds like something that'd be on, like, the fucking Juno soundtrack. But it's mostly just keeps chanting at the everything. You're like, already dead, already dead. And the lyrics are darker than they appear on the surface which is super fitting for them moving in because they're moving in they think they're getting this fresh start and things are about to be great but lo and behold y'all did not heed that cowboy's warning about moving into a murder house also their accents the secondary characters in those accents like the real estate agent yeah well he was i think okay 
But like the policeman, the policewoman, oh the police. I see. I, I can't tell at all. Yeah. Oh, I can. It's all the same. Barry lives to me. in Texas. You guys. <laughs> no, they were they were terrible. That was like one of my first notes. I was like, oh damn, they're of course they're in Texas. But the last song that I'm going to bother you about from this whole soundtrack is the song Slayer or the song You Against You by Slayer, which is probably the most mainstream song or at least band listed in this the other ones are kind of for those that get really into like more obscure black metal but you against you from slayer is kind of exactly what it sounds like it's kind of you against you but it goes a lot into like that whole the cross the crossroads mythology kind of thing and that's where when i originally heard what this movie was about and like i just read the description my mind took it to a completely different place than what the movie actually was because the title's misleading well not even the title is like the description i thought this movie was going to be about an artist that moves into this house and everything is set up like it was and he gets possessed by these demons and he blocks it out by listening to heavy metal and in my head i pictured him listening in headphones and he's gets kind of inspired or taken over by these demons to produce this really badass artwork that gets sold in this high-end gallery. And for me, before I watched the movie, this movie was going to be about him having this crossroads moment and he's having to battle between letting the demons in and producing badass art to help his family survive and to pursue his dreams of being an artist and blocking them out by this heavy metal music so he lest he become more possessed. So it's battling between good art. Yeah, I wish it... Well, it went opposite of that... Where, like, there is no decision to be made. There's no, like, the metal is just trying to drowning out what the inevitable, really. It did, which is not what I wanted. I wanted metal to be a bigger presence in the the film. Like, (laughs) it was, like, but it was almost too soundtrack, and I wanted it to be more so incorporated, especially because, you know, there's, like, a metalhead son and daughter. It's part of the whole aesthetic of the film, and I really wanted it to be incorporated. I mean, it works because he plays the loud music, but it's, but it's... I wanted there just to be more of it, though. Because um, Ray doesn't listen to heavy metal. He just plays... You know what I mean? They should have either carried it over from that or... But I think, yeah, like you said, any kind of hard music and horror goes hand in hand. I was a little bit surprised though that like all the metal t-shirts that they wore, I was like, I know what that... I know that band. Like, is that... Do metalheads wear Metallica t-shirts? Well, that's your trade, right? Is that like, yeah. the music can be whatever you want, the t-shirts are accessible, or vice versa? Oh, gotcha. Well, okay. I don't know. I think you still have to get permission to show mm-hmm. posters and... Oh, no, I mean, from a storytelling perspective. I thought we are talking about rights. I just went straight moving uh, here. Let's talk about the rights <laughs> issues here. Well, <laughs> well, it's funny because for because it's a low-budget indie, and they got the rights to a Metallica song. And it's weird they don't... Which they don't give out lightly at all. Metallica very rarely gives out the rights. The first time Metallica ever gave their rights out was for that documentary mm. Paradise Lost about the poor, mm. the, the West Memphis Three, the boys that got killed, their unsolved murder. From That's the only time Metallica let anybody use their music. And Zombieland. Zombieland opens with Metallica. Yes. But it was weird because I was like, they got the rights to this huge mm. band and they only played in the credits. And it's such an awesome song. Because you also get to sign off on content. So a lot of bands have either given or rescinded rights based on how exactly a piece of music was going to be used. Hey, buddy, we don't want the visual of a child being chopped up to go with our music. In case you're wondering how easy it is to plagiarize literature, the (laughs) t-shirt... That Jesse wears that says, find what you love and let it kill you, is a Bukowski quote, in case anyone wanted to know. <laughs> really on the nose, also. <laughs> really? Well, see, I thought 
I knew it was an on the nose thing about like he's going to he's going to be killed to save. Well, right, because nobody cares about. I books. didn't know that was from something. I just thought they. I mean, yeah. money wise, like they don't make money, so you. Can- Alistair Crowley, <laughs> you didn't know who that was, okay? So don't be giving me. I I was actually thinking of Cromwell. I know Victor Crowley, but when uh, you said it, and I knew that was wrong. Crowley. The guy who shut down the theaters. Yeah, I was like, that's wrong. That doesn't make sense. That's why I asked. You said the whole movie is metal, and I got yeah. really excited because I was like, yep. the reason this plot is weird and the pacing is weird is because it's going to imitate the composition of a metal song. I was really hoping that would be the case. Yeah, I think it kind of does because I don't like I don't listen to it, but I had a friend that used to listen to a lot, and a lot of songs would start out with like either very classical or very slow music. And I'd be like, oh, this sounds really good, really cool. And then it would, like, all of a sudden explode into something. Yeah. No, it, no I mean, it really does mimic your tradition. I mean, it, it goes into a lot of, like, black metal and, like, that, like, Norwegian death metal. That, But, like, a lot of people think of metal and they automatically, if they're not a metalhead, their mind goes to thrash. And they think it's going to be, like, this, like, head-banging guitar slashing flames from the, like, the end of the film. But, like, all the way through. Yeah. I will take your word for all of that. All right. So to close this out, again, super sweet, simple, and to the point. If you were in rural Texas and you needed a bargain house and the dude was like, you can have this, but murder, would you buy it? But think of think of the open house when you're having everyone over and you're having like wine and cheese. And you're just like, hey, come here, come here. Check out. This is the closet. <laughs> and you could open it for Halloween haunts. You could make so much money back. There's a lot you could do. No, I would definitely. With houses being as expensive as they're out here, if there's a sweet deal. And if you would buy it, would the fact that a murder happened in the house <laughs> make you more intrigued to live there? Because my answer is yes. Just keep like DMing like like ghost hunters on their social media. Like, yo, but is it is it? I'm looking for something that specializes in selling me haunted homes. Uh, <laughs> Mary Kay is not. Mary Kay, Mary Kay not would not live in a murder it. house. No. Did you miss the part about the Mary Kay shaped hole in the wall? <laughs> I'm just going to tear up my own house as soon as I move in. Absolutely not. No. Okay. I also just, I wouldn't be able to, if I, if I didn't know it, it might not, like, obviously it wouldn't bother me if I didn't know it, but I couldn't buy a house knowing someone had been killed there. Not violently. Of course, if you didn't know it, it wouldn't bother you. Because you don't know. (laughs) Well, right. That's why I said it that way. So what had happened was that in Trinidad, one time, so we're back in my, my grandma's house in Trinidad, and it's so fucking hot, and everyone's just like, I'm just like lying flat on a bed, like journaling slowly and not even looking at the page. I'm so hot. I'm dying. And uh, my dad comes up to the Is door. Is this the one where he's, he's blessing has the house? a water bottle, and he sprinkles yeah. it on his Yeah, you told us another episode. You told this story. I was like, and it's not yeah, a thing that he can do. It's not a thing that he yeah. can do, but your grandma needed him to do it. Yeah, but, like, I would have him do it anyway, and that's probably fine. Go for it. Yeah, it totally works. I've got, like, a direct line to, like, a divine line. A divine line. I don't think that's how Yeah, that's not how statistics (laughs) works, and I don't think that's how religion works, maybe. Not, like... I feel like if my dad is a pastor, then he and Jesus are BFFs. But are you and Jesus BFFs? Oh, I don't know. We don't talk as much as we used to. Like, I really should. Then you don't got no direct line, girl. Your daddy got a direct line. But also, did you not have to invite a bunch of, like, parents, friends to, like, wedding things and whatever? 
and be like polite about it because you're like these are family friends. Oh, that's no. right, because you went to fucking France like a fancy no. Ass I bitch. had a big ass reception when I came back, and it was super yeah. fun. And Mary Kay took pictures with my phone on the bar, and it was super cool. And Andrew's mom was like, "You need to fight invite this third aunt twice removed." That I said, "No, thank you." And she got mad, and I said, "It's my wedding. I'm very sorry." So no, I didn't have to because it was my wedding. Megan, would you buy a murder house? Absolutely, I would. That's why I said I'm gonna seek out the murder. That was the ghost hunters thing was talking about me. <laughs> Never coming over. Sold. I will move to Ackworth for a haunted house. No, I won't. So when we go back to no, Ackworth. Ew, dude. What? No, not worth it. Yeah, that's why I changed it immediately. <laughs> I hate Ackworth. Beauregard Re- Beau could come move back in. Maybe not. He probably was Beauregard racist. Beauregard is definitely racist. He's scared of driving. <laughs> in the sitcom version of this. That laundry basket on top of Mary's dog grate behind her just slides right off. <laughs> Maybe the ghost is here now because my dog's barking. Oh. He hasn't made a single peep this whole time, and now he's going off. We invited the ghost into my house, and on that note... <laughs> I love Black Swan. Are you kidding me? Ballet? Terror? Uh, misery? More ballet? It's perfect. Black Swan by Darren Aronofsky. Is going to be up August 10th, y'all. So if you really like the part where Mila Kunis and uh, Natalie Portman make out, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different thing. It is also not a podcast. It's a specific thread on Tumblr. We're going to have some pretty fun interactive stuff coming up for you guys soon yeah so we'll tell you more about that and thank you so much for listening and to all your friends and thank you eric thank you eric yeah yeah go listen to gut reactions after you listen to this episode uh specifically or before whatever no us first no lady first eric god if you can only listen to one podcast Then listen to this one with three beautiful and intelligent ladies. It's about time that a white man gets a foot <laughs> up in the world, okay? That's exactly Just what give me my trying moment. to kill this you. This is my time. <laughs> this whole podcast was created with the purpose of making you rising to the top. Are you about to start singing Defying Gravity? From what? Wicked. Are you about to start seeing Defying Gravity from Wicked? Do you want to be Adina uh, Menzel or Kristen Chenoweth? Because I am a Chenoweth, so if you want to be an, if you want to be Adina... I have no... I have no idea what we're talking That's about. That's perfect okay. for us, Megan. Um, no, it's okay. We were making fun of you. You just didn't get That's it. That's fine. So it's fine. But, and on that note, Yay. thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.